Welcome to the Walk and Love podcast. My name is TJ. And I'm Brooke. And on today's episode, we are going to answer your questions. All right. Welcome to the Walk and Love podcast. We are going to answer your questions today. We have the ability to take voice memo questions, which is really fun um, because then we can actually hear who you guys are, hear what you sound like. Some of you said where you were from, which is really cool. Um, and we really appreciate it. Others of you had really nice things to say. So we, we selected a few questions that we're going to answer um, on the podcast today. And we didn't really script these answers. We have no, we, have, we didn't prepare at all. Oh gosh. No idea what we're doing. <laughs> and record. And let's do this. Um, because we want this uh, podcast to feel conversational and less like, you know, scripted, which it is. It's just a conversation between Brooke and I. Um, I'm taking out my loud dangly earrings in hopes that you don't, you don't, you know, hear them the whole time. Yeah, ask, nice. Answer questions. Nice. Unscripted. Um, but today, this morning, I'll, I'll share a little quick story before we get into the questions. Brooke had an event that she was helping photograph, mm-hmm. and I had the two girls. And I don't know if it was a full moon last night or <laughs> if right before Brooke walked out the door, she gave them each a shot of adrenaline. Yeah, but I did. Man, it was a rough morning. It was literally like the second you walked out, we had to put shoes on, putting shoes on started the whole downward spiral and I might not have my usual pep in this episode. And I also might have a touch more snarkiness, but bear with me. I also slept funny last night. So I have this, I have that weird, like, Oh, I'm turning my neck. What's up? You can't turn your neck Uh, one way, but you can turn it the other. Yeah. But just want to let you guys know that we have rough mornings at times in our house. Oh yeah. And uh, that's not an unusual thing, but Whew. Mercy. We made it. We're we here. We made it. We here, we're here and we're ready to go. So let's get into the first question. Here we go. Hi, Brooke and TJ. My name's Juliet and I'm from Dallas. I'm in my mid-20s now and I work in childcare full-time and I love my job. But ultimately, one day I would like to work um, full-time as a creative. I'm interested in music and design and photography Um, But right now, financially, it would just not be easy for me to quit my job and do that full time. So I just wanted to see what your advice would be to someone who eventually wants to get into that um, and what some practical things that I could be doing now would be. Thanks. Julie from Dallas. Yep. Juliet. Juliet from Dallas. Um, Well, I'm going to let Brooke go first. Oh, boy. I have a lot of thoughts. I'm going to try to stick them all into one linear (laughs) thought. Um, My first thought is good for you for having a job that pays the bills. Yep. Because I feel like in this current uh, internet, Instagram coach world, everybody's like, do it, crush it, boss babe, follow your dreams. And that's great. I'm not making fun of anybody specifically, but just like, but do you want to give me a couple of names? Yeah, right. Yeah. But at <laughs> username, um, but like, I don't know. There's not, that's, just, it's not always the time and the place right. for that. And so to have a job that pays your bills that you recognize, this is what this is for. I am being an adult. This is good. Um, I applaud that because yes. some people don't do it and they chuck it all out the window and then everything's terrible. Right. Um, 
But I also love that you know you have other passions and interests and want to do something else someday. So I think one of the things that you could do that's practical would be, and maybe you already do this, would be to, you had said like music and design and photography, photography, um, is to when you can, I know that's tougher when you have a job, is to try out some of those things because you wouldn't have the pressure on them to make the money, but see if they can make money. Yep. Like, don't just go out and do a bunch of photo shoots for free, although that's a separate topic that TJ and I could probably talk about. Right. Um, but it's like if no one will pay you for those any of those things now or you see no way to make an income on those things now, you know. It's going to be hard to do it. It's going to be hard to do it someday time. when that's when that's all you want to do. Yep. Um, but I'll also say that like as far as dreaming about doing those things, um, something that would be practical and helpful would be to have a friend in your life, or maybe it's more than one, who... Wait, people have more than one friend. What? Shocking. <laughs> wow. It's just me and you, babe. <laughs> Talking to these microphones. Wow. Um, would be to have a friend in your life who's not necessarily a mentor in the field, but is more just like a... Someone will just kind of shoot straight with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... Because you will find those people that are to like, tell you're you the no. best. Exactly. You should try out for American Idol. Yes. And you're like, ooh, As you one of my have. favorite people... Uh, <laughs> puts it authors she has a no mentor and i don't think she necessarily tells that person that that's what they are but like someone who will say no i do not think that's a good idea you know um, is my no mentor (laughs) you know i think that's really valuable and then i think if you were at a place where you were going to be moving towards um any of those things more seriously as your career to gather a group of people around you to like listen to your ideas and your dreams and ask for their feedback Um, or sometimes like have them say to you what they think you're saying. Like, I know that's helpful for me. Like I say to TJ, here, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I want to do. Let's say it's something to do with photography. Sometimes I haven't even flushed out my full idea until I, until I ramble about it. And then he, he's able, able to go, here's what I hear that you're saying, you know, and that's really helpful. So I feel like I have more direction. So if you were to quit your job and jump ship and and head over into the, self-employment world, you would have put some thought and some other, other people's opinions that you actually trust, not the internet, not, would you hire me? Yes or no on an Instagram poll. Like people are going to vote yes. Cause they like you, you know, like some real thought behind Mm -hmm. it. Um, that way it it maybe takes a little of the tension out, but you know, being self-employed can be a tension filled thing. It can also be the best thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. And my practical advice that I wish I would have taken before jumping out on our own is to get debt free. Mm. I think, um, that's huge. Not having any debt and then having to pay your bills on your own is going to be, it's going to be easier because you don't have to pay off any debt. Mm. Um, so that's my one really basic piece of practical advice if you want to be self-employed. And then my other is that your, self-employment doesn't have to pay for an extravagant lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So like you oh, can, that's good. you can, can snap for that? <laughs> you can be self-employed and just not do as many fun things or not buy as many nice things and just live simple. But you're, which brings a different kind yeah, of enjoyment because you're doing it you know, yourself. And so that's where I think Brooke and I have landed this year is like, we are making less money, but we're doing less 
we're living less extravagantly, but it's also reduced the stress in our lives significantly. quite significantly. And so I think a lot of times we think, oh, I want to be self-employed so I can make X, Y, and Z and do all these things. And like, yes, there are things that I want to do that cost money. And I think eventually we will get there. But I think if you want to, if you really want to do something on your own, practically you can just live simpler and afford to be self-employed and grow that business more slowly rather than being like, bam, I need to buy, need to buy a new car and all this kind of stuff. And so my self-employment has to make this much a month. That's (laughs) going to make it a lot harder to succeed instead of being like, you know, I have a roommate and you know, or whatever the case may be. But that is what we would say to Juliet from Dallas. I feel like we should have like a question jingle, like your question's been answered. (laughs) No, don't do it. Let's not do that. The check mark. All right, here we go. Next question. Hey guys, this is Amanda from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm a huge fan. I practically live in your shirts. They go into the washer and right back on my body. But anyway, that was a little weird. But my one question is when it comes to blogging, is it a best practice to, as soon as you write like your first blog post, to go ahead and publish and get your actual blog live on the web? Or is it better to get enough content going, enough posts so that you go live um, once you have several posts and there's more than one thing for people to read? Thanks so much and can't wait to hear your answer. I actually think that Brooke and I might have different opinions on this one. So should I go first or should you go first? I, you know, as a Enneagram seven enthusiastic person. I'm like, let's do, let's post one thing and show the world. Um, (laughs) and let's just do it. Let's just see if it works. Let's see if, you know, but I also absorb content that way. Like if someone is like, Hey, I have something new, I'll go and look at that new thing and not continue to search down. Um, I think the main thing, if you're going to be a blogger or like an influencer on Instagram or, you know, podcast or whatever, I think it doesn't matter how much you start with. I think it matters. I think the thing that matters most is the consistency at which you release content. I think consistency is king when it comes to content because, you know, you want people checking back and you don't want to let them down. I don't want to go to your blog and see something from, you know, 2017 and, and then something from 2019, like Mm -hmm. the, that just back to back. yeah, Yeah. Like that just doesn't seem like, Oh, this person does this regularly. Right. Um, So that's what I would say. I would say I wouldn't focus so much on like what you have to start, but if batch creating a bunch of stuff and then releasing it once a week for the next six weeks, Mm -hmm. I would say I would lean, I would probably recommend doing that more than just having six blog posts when you start, because I think having six weeks then to create more and like be consistent about if you're doing one a week, that would be my advice. I actually, I agree with that. Oh. I shouldn't say actually, I agree with you a lot. But I think in the past you've been more of like, a, well, let's have a bunch of stuff to this start. This is what I was going to say. I was going to say, I actually think it depends more on your personality. If you are going to get hung up on, which would be me a little bit, on the idea of, okay, I want to have, let's say three or four posts up there because there is a little bit of value in having more than one thing to look at, in my opinion, at first, because people do like to like jump all in and binge things, you Mm -hmm. know? So if they're like super pumped for you that you've launched this and then they read the one thing you posted in two and a half minutes, you know, maybe they want a little more and they're going to click around and there isn't anything. Um, So if you can do two, three posts to get started and not get hung up on that and the 
specificness of them and how perfect they need to be. And like, well, the third one needs to be this and I don't have the stuff for that and I need to go buy that mm-hmm. and la la la. Like, if you feel like it would take you a similar amount of time to do one or the three, sure, you can have a few, a mm-hmm. small handful up there when you start. Right. But I agree with TJ that if you can use your energy towards towards batching them and then release them on a consistent schedule so people are reminded to check back, I think that has much more value long-term for audience, for an audience and readers than just suddenly there's 12 to read right from the start. Right. Nice. All right, next question. Hi, this is Sam from Ohio, and my question is, how do you guys balance working from home with your two small children and essentially just all being together all the time? All being together all, being all, together the, time. all the time. Oh, I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. What's that supposed to mean, huh? I <laughs> feel it and love it. Yes. Um, so we, the question is, how do you balance yeah, that? We talk about... Um, I, there's ugh. so much, there's so much in that question. Um, and I think that, that like we try to give a caveman answer. That's kind of our thing is like, what would a caveman say? And our caveman answer to the balance question is balance is a moving target. And so you, so I think a lot of people see balance as like a daily activity. And so like, I need to balance work with my personal life and it all needs to happen in this time that from when I wake up to when I go to sleep. And I just don't think that is a realistic expectation to have. I think you might be able to do that for a day, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, but eventually you're just going to become unbalanced and things are going to feel chaotic and you're going to get frustrated with yourself because you have this expectation of being balanced daily. And so what I mean when I say balance is moving target is I think we need to balance heavy seasons or heavy days or heavy weeks of work or occupation or housework or whatever with more lighthearted things the opposite the opposite of whatever that is and so like i used to use this example all the time is like during the christmas season when we were doing inventory shirts full-time all that stuff i worked so much during the christmas season which i'm like so excited for this christmas season because i won't have to be gone all the time which is amazing side note um and so i would try to balance that with some with more time off in january and like just being at home more and stuff like that and so it wasn't like during December, I was balancing those days perfectly. I was not, I was out of balance, but I was knowing that those balanced days were coming, you know? And so that's kind of, you know, and I do the same thing with my phone now where like, I feel like there are days where I'm on my phone so much and I'm because like, you need to be. because I need to be because it's work or we're doing a launch or there's a release or, you know, we're doing a Q and a on Instagram or whatever. And so then I try to balance those heavy phone usage days with, you know, days where I turn it off or I put, plug it in upstairs or wherever. And so that's kind of how I look at balance. Um, and the same thing is true when working at home, you know, there are days where like, I need to balance being at home with everybody with, Hey, I'm going to take my laptop and I'm going to go to Starbucks or can you take the girls out of the house for a couple hours or vice versa. And that's kind of how we've been able to do it from home, working from home so much. Yeah. I mean, when I first hear that question, I think, uh, it's not. And then I think that's not totally true. That's me just like feeling more the chaos of it and less of the, no, we actually do a pretty good job of thinking about it, talking about it, expectations, what's going to happen. Yeah. It was like a year or so, or actually Sunny's over a year old. It was several (laughs) years ago. Wow. That someone sort of, and I honestly don't remember who it was, kind of mentioned that idea of like, I've stopped looking 
I, I've stopped trying to balance every 24 hours. Yeah. Like that is impossible. Um, and I try to balance like a week at a time or a month at a time. And when I like step back big picture and look at a week or a month, I realize, oh, it actually is pretty balanced. Like it's just that if you have the expectation and the pressure to do it every 24 hours, like I, I felt like I lived with a lot of subconscious guilt that I didn't mm-hmm. really know was there. And when I heard that idea of not doing it every 24 hours and I stepped back and thought about my week, I was like, oh, I'm actually, right. I'm on the right track. Yeah. I'm, I'm intentionally trying to, or I'm trying to be proactive over having a balanced life in all things. And that was, that was really helpful for me. And something that helps me when I think about working from home is I think oftentimes people who work from home think about like the chaos or the loudness or whatever, but like in reality, it's such a blessing for me to be home with my family. And there are people who have to go and do a nine to five at an office that I think would really love something like that. And so I get to live this really cool life where if I want to take a break and play with my girls or take a break and go on a run or take a break and do something around the house, like I had that opportunity and a lot of people don't have that opportunity. And so I think looking at that as a positive thing can, can kind of help balance out feeling like I'm not getting anything done. Yeah. Cause if you feel like, and I'm not speaking for any of you, but just if, if you feel like if you put the expectation on yourself that you're going to work from home and it's going to look the same as work outside of the home, like you should just work outside of the home. (laughs) Like that's not the point, you know? And I, and even I forget that, like, you know, so yeah, it's just the expectations on yourself and your family and chatting about it up front. Nice. Hey, TJ and Brooke, my name is Carlos Rojas and I love listening to y'all's podcast. So my question is, Other than your faith and from reading the Bible, what's your inspiration in the design and themes that you guys choose for your shirt collection releases? Thanks. Go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like the the themes as a whole really just recently and, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago come from just kind of what we're learning about or talking about, or, you know, what are the conversations we're having in the car or around the dinner table, um, coupled a little bit with maybe something we've been listening to at the time, whether Mm -hmm. that's a book or music. Um, and we kind of feel like there's this current or vibe running through it all of like, Oh wow, this all kind of has to do with this. And so then we kind of expand upon those ideas to like turn them into collection. Mm -hmm. Um, the designs themselves, I mean, we definitely have our like design aesthetic that we like and we go after, and that is a lot of different looks, but I would imagine if you saw one of our shirts, you would hopefully know it was one of ours just because of the way we curate the art that we use. But I like really simple things mm-hmm. most of the time. Yep. You know, our shirts are mostly one or two ink colors. I think that's on purpose. Like, yeah. because we like the simplicity of a lot of things in life. Yeah, I think the inspiration comes from a lot of different places. You know, uh, I remember one time uh, a few years ago, we wanted to do a collection and I just wanted to shoot on the West Coast. I wanted to have the photo shoot on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. and that kind The of, marketing, yeah. And that kind of started the collection of like, okay, what our ideas that you consider with the West coast. And we started talking about the beach and the sunlight and all this kind of stuff. And so we came, we like went from this 
photo shoot to this collection idea of salt and light to like the greatness of God as you step onto the ocean and like feel the the breeze and see the sunlight and just like and so then we went salt from of the there earth, light of the world all that yeah all these phrases kind of came from that and so that was kind of a unique way where a collection was born yeah um, this last one that we did with Ashley Ulmer I think you know, we just saw her artwork and we're just blown away by it, you know? And so I was just scrolling through Instagram looking for new artists to work with. And I stumbled upon her page and was just like, yeah, this is it. I'm sure that naturally the the designs of hers that we picked out, I actually know this for a fact, were things that, because we had so many to choose from, Mm -hmm. but they were things that we were learning. Yeah. And so that that we read and we were like, there, that's it. Because it already connected on a deeper level. Yeah. yeah. And so that's just, yeah. So I think they happen a bunch of different ways. I think sometimes we think like, oh, let's do something in this like sort of color scheme or, hey, this is kind of a devotion that I read. Like I remember when we did a collection called Grace and Glory, I actually read that phrase in a devotional book and I was mm-hmm. like, man, I like the way that sounds. Mm-hmm. I just like those two words together. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't tell you what the devotion was about now, now but <laughs> I just remember being like grace and glory. I like that. I like that those two words go together yeah. and you know, they both start with G and like, you yeah. know, there's this kind of quirky stuff like that that sometimes happens. But I think currently we're stepping into an age of like, what is encouraging to us and, and where we are Yeah, and knowing that, a lot of you connect with what with what Brooke and I are saying and doing. We know that if it's encouraging to us, it's going to be encouraging to you. And so mm-hmm. that kind of has been the the you know diving board into these. Yeah, collections. I feel like with um, back you know years ago when we had a team and all this stuff, um, everything was very visually driven, which is not bad. That's fantastic. Yeah. Like from the marketing to what is the email going to look like to what are the product photos yep. going to look like, and now I feel like things because we've totally kind of flipped the way we do business and in our lives, things are more emotionally driven Mm -hmm. for us. And back then they were more visually driven and there is such value in both. I'm not saying that where we are now is better than before or vice versa, but I will, (laughs) I mean, I will say for the sake of our business and our personal (laughs) lives, but I mean, however you, if you are speaking about yourself and you wanted to come up with a collection, you know, one time I wanted to do like a seventies, Yep. summer camp like those like you know kumbaya and like that yep. those kind of songs you would sing at like a summer camp yeah. and that launched yeah you know one of our collections mm-hmm. and like that was a fantastic one yep. so there's a lot of ways yeah, to get there's there. a lot of ways to get there and i think it's just kind of a kind of a wide variety hi my name is chelsea from virginia and i just wanted to know do you guys have a big goal that you are working towards that you would like ultimately love to be doing the big goal that we are working to towards right now is let's say together on three. One, two, three. Being debt, debt free. free. That's it right now. That's that's our big yeah. goal. And uh I wish we would have started it a lot earlier in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um and so that that's one thing that we're just super focused on and just really trying to to be good stewards of what we have and what we've been given and not have any debt. And so that's kind of a thing that we're on the same page about. Um you know, I think the other big goals that we're always working towards is like raising good kids, you know, raising kids that love Jesus and follow after him with passion and, you know, encouraging the best in our children, encouraging the best in our spouse. So like, they're not like big goals, like we want to do X amount in sales or whatever like that. They're just more like 
personal heart goals that we have. You know, mm-hmm. I actually read this tweet the other day from John Acuff that was like, if you want a kind 16 year old, teach them kindness at six years old and give them 10 years of practice. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what we're, those are our big goals right now is like to raise kids that are, that are good and happy and joyful and just love Jesus and, and then to be debt free. What about you, Brooke? Do you have any big goals right now? No, those are it. Do you have any big personal goals? Oh, I do actually have a personal goal. Well, her, her, her question was worded. Do you have any big goals you're working towards that you want to do? Like it sounded right. like a little bit more occupational maybe. Um, but when I hear that question, I automatically think of being debt free because yeah. I'm intentionally not choosing to, I'll still dream about it and we'll talk about it, yep. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not really choosing to allow my energy to go down any other paths because right. we're not debt free right now. So like, yeah, maybe someday yep. I'll have some big goal I'm working towards doing, yep. you know, writing a book or doing this or doing mm-hmm. that, but like not right now. That, that I would it say is, that's one of mine is, is that to, one write, yours, to write a, a book? book. Um, you know, I just, I think I, I want to, and I've started here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still don't feel like I have the, the, the full scope of what it needs to be about. Cause I don't want to just write a book because that's what you do. I actually want it to, say something that's valuable yeah. to me. Yep. Um, but yeah, those are, those are big things that I think we're working on right now. Hi, Brooke and TJ. My name's Halewen, or you can call me H. I was doing a three and a half hour journey last night to visit some friends. I was driving and listening to some of the podcasts that I'd missed lately uh, of yours, doing a bit of a catch up. And I really enjoy the um, cling to joy and a, a few embarrassing stories podcast. It's my favorite one, I think. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to ask you, uh, who your top three or maybe five comedians are, if you had to name them. Uh, thanks for all you do. Really appreciate you guys. Take care. Bye. If you ever want to get uh, your question on our podcast, <laughs> pretend have, have, a, a, British have a British accent, accent or any, any cool accent. Um, yes. So favorite comedians. Uh, I'll go first because I think Brooke is panicking right now. And I, to... I, I have a couple in mind. Okay. Well, why don't you go first then? No, you go. You go. <laughs> so... I more have like favorite, I have favorite comedians, but I also have like favorite comedian specials. Um, and so like, like Brian Regan is one of my favorite stand-up yes, comedians. I've been listening to him as a whole. And he has one like, called I Walk Up on the Moon, which geez, I, I think we years? had on DVD or something like that. But yeah. Brian Regan, I think in high is, school, I listened to him. hysterical. I think, um, so Brian Regan, I obviously love John Christ. I think he's really funny mm-hmm. and I've gone to see him a few times. Um, we also just, uh, Rewatch Ryan Hamilton's Happy Face, which On that Netflix. bit is just so good. And then like <laughs> Seinfeld, I, I not necessarily Jerry's um, stand up. Like I mean, that's good, but himself, like the show but- Seinfeld, I think is just like comedy gold. And then yeah. what Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais created with The Office, and then the American version of that, I think is right. comedy gold. So, yeah. so two of the, two of those are stand-up comedians, but I also just enjoy and appreciate the comedy created into television form mm. of those two shows. What about you, babe? Um, it's, oh man, it's hard. Like I have very specific, like there's a very specific Ellen DeGeneres one right. from a very long time yep. ago. I mean, Goodness, I watched it in college yeah. back in 2005 on a DVD that is just, I quote it to this day almost yeah. daily. It is amazing. But I, what, do you be, remember what it's called? I feel, I can't, oh, I'm totally blanking on the name. We'll try to find it. Uh, yeah, you can watch it in segments on YouTube. Right. Um, it's like her bit about procrastination and 
I want to say it's called like here and now. Yeah, I think maybe that's Does that sound it. right. I, don't know. I mean, it's just it's amazing. Yeah. But I cannot speak for other things she has done. Yeah, I mean, I think she's funny. I think her show is funny, but like that one is. I, I don't good know and the rest. Clean and it, like, that one just, is clean. Yeah. I know some of her other stuff isn't, but that one is, yeah. and it is so situational and amazing. Yep. I think it's called here and now. I hope that's right. Yeah. So, Ellen, anyone else? Um, you're blanking. Funny guy. Funny guy. Okay. You what? Got a Jim lot. Gaffigan Jim Gaffigan, has a few. Yes, yeah, Again, have not seen them all. Yeah, but he's pretty solid all the way through. But he, yeah, he's got some really, really good ones that can get me to laugh. And then, I mean, we just met, I think we mentioned it in the Choosing Joy episode. Yep. Nate was Bergazzi. The, the Tennessee kid. Yep. Nate. That was really good, too. Um, Bergatz. Bergatz? Bergatzi? We still don't know. Yeah, we still don't know. Dear Nate. Dear Nate. What's, please voice memo us how to say your name. Yeah. Um, yeah, I But I also, say, like, I also find a lot of humor in, like, internet humor. So like, mm. like I think one of my favorite moments of culture is the Super Bowl halftime show and the memes that people create about the Super Bowl halftime show so quickly. Like yes. it's just like the, the, the brilliance the, of yeah. the quickness and the funniness of that. Like the one where Katy Perry sang and then there were like all these blades of glory memes because she kind of wore an outfit that yeah. looked like that, like that kind of yeah. stuff. Just like when the internet collectively yeah, is collectively funny. is funny. Uh, that's that the internet you funny is my though? favorite stand up. Yeah. The internet. <laughs> so, but yeah, we, we often talk about how much we just appreciate good comedy and it just, it brings you joy. And I think, I don't think people realize the value that it has. Yeah. And, you know, but yeah, those are some of ours. I'd love to know more though. I would. Yeah. I wouldn't say that we've. We're like stand up experts. Deep down in it. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, there's, again, I feel like I watch little solo single bits, yep. but can't speak to the person as a whole You're and right. everything they've ever done. I mean, like Steve Martin and Martin Short, they yeah. make me laugh, Yep. but I've certainly not consumed all of their work right, yeah. by any means. Yeah. Thanks for asking that from across the pond. <laughs> Nailed the accent. Hey, Brooke and TJ. Thanks so much for making your podcast. I love listening to you guys. My name's Amy and I'm a writer. I especially like interviewing people and I'm always looking for better questions to ask in conversations. So I'm wondering what's one of your favorite questions to ask other people or to answer when you're talking? All right. So favorite questions to be asked or to ask someone, I would say, um, I'm a pretty good conversationalist. Mm -hmm. I like to ask people questions and I actually think there are two simple questions that you can ask people that will make them think without realizing that they've never really thought about this. And one thing like, so people will be like, how you been? You know, good. Everyone says good to that answer. <laughs> and so something that I like to ask people is like, what's the most exciting thing that's happened to you in the last 30 days or the last 10 days or the last week? And that yeah, you kind usually of, say 30 days, yeah. like a month. It and does make you think. It does make you think it's, and it, it makes you. It specifies yeah, the question. It makes you sort of analyze your last month and think about it. And then that usually leads to more conversations like, oh, well, mm -hmm. I bought a new car. Okay, well, what kind of car did you buy? You know, right, why right. did you buy it? You know, and I think that that is a good question to ask people because I think it makes them think more specific instead of just been like, how you been? What's new? Yeah. And you're like, nothing. And then turns the, out that's not true. You bought a car. Yeah. <laughs> you bought a boat. Um, and the other question that I like to ask people is, what do you like to do for fun? And mm -hmm. that is an interesting question because I think so often culturally, 
every conversation that we talk about is oriented around our work and our job and our occupation or our children or what they're doing or, you know, what our church is doing or whatever. And I don't often think that we ask people what they like to do. And so we were just hanging out with some friends and I, and I asked the whole group that like, what do you like to do for fun? And there was like all this hesitation of like, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) And I think it's a good question just because I think it it, it again will lead to other stuff. Cause if people ask me what I like to do for fun, I'm like, well, I like watching comedy and they're like, Oh, who's your favorite comedian? And I think the questions that lead to more questions are the, the best type to ask. Yeah. I don't, those are great. I actually have <laughs> learned and use those because I'm not a, I'm not a poor conversationalist. I wouldn't say no. that, but I won't necessarily step up and do that unless it has to happen. Like if somebody else is leading the conversation, fantastic. Um, I am attempting to get better at asking open-ended questions, which means a, not a yes or no question, right. you know? Do you like Mexican food? Yes. Like end of conversation. <laughs> like, you know, and to try to just ask more open-ended questions so that you lead the conversation yeah. on and leave more room and yep. space um, for that. One of my favorite, like, would you rather questions. So I'll give you yeah. this one. Okay. So <laughs> imagine there's a, like a wheel of fortune wheel with a hundred spots. 90, like the peg wheel yeah. where you spin it. 99 of those spots do nothing. They're blank. Nothing happens. But there's one spot where you would have to get your dominant arm chopped off. If you land on that if one spot. you land spot, on that spot, I'm so right-handed. for me, I'd lose my right arm. Yeah, we both lose our right arm. So you can either choose to spin that wheel with a one in 100 shot of getting your arm chopped off, or <laughs> you can get your, left, your non-dominant pinky cut off. Do you spin the wheel? And risk it. Or do you just lose your non-dominant pinky I think that this speaks to people's core of of like if they're a risk taker or thrill seeker or whatever, which I would say I'm kind of a risk taker when it comes to some things, but I would never spin the wheel. You'd lose your pinky. I'd lose my pinky in a second because there's just that there's a chance. And it's not one in a hundred. You know, people win the lottery with like one in 20 million chances. It's a one in a hundred shot. Yeah, I would also lose my pinky. Yeah. People who are like, oh, I'd spin, oh, the, wheel. spin the wheel. I'm like, but there's like, there is an actual chance. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's and a some fascinating. people are like, oh, I'd spin the wheel if it was one in 50. And I'm like, you're crazy. I can't be friends with you. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta Friendship go. unsubscribe. So that's one of those like big group questions that can yes. get conversation going. Hey guys, this is Brittany from Virginia. And I know you guys have talked before about how you live in a smaller home and, um, you like to just keep things minimal and simple. So I'm wondering what your top tips are for like keeping clutter out, living more minimally, more simplified, um, just things like that. And, you know, just not having a lot of stuff everywhere. So if you could share those tips, that would be great. Thanks. So I think this is something that actually has become very trendy because Uh, of Marie Kondo's Netflix special. So several years ago, at least three, maybe closer to four, I actually read her book, The Mm -hmm. Magic of Tidy or The Magic magic of Tidying tidying Up or something like that. Um, I did read it with a grain of salt. I definitely don't do everything in her book, but her overall concept of starting of going through your house once fully and completely by category. Um, that was huge. That was huge. I did that. It took about three months. Like yeah. I didn't push it. I didn't shove it. I, I found a printable list 
online that somebody else had made, probably on Pinterest, printed it out, hung it inside our basement door. And over a three-month period, I went through our entire house um, by category, which is huge. And so that... I would say that was the foundation of all of it. We got rid of, I don't really know, but I would say 30, 40% of our stuff. Like it was significant. Um, Everything from clutter to trash to actual pieces of furniture. Yep. Um, We really pared down a lot of stuff then. And so if you have that as the foundation, um, and if it takes you six months, fine. You you, you try to keep it a little closer together so you have some perspective and don't add more things along the way. But if you have that foundation, it then makes it easier to once a year or whenever do like a spring cleaning. And um, kind of do it again. And kind of do it again, but on a very small scale. Yeah, you could do it in a day or two, your whole house. So that's huge. Um, Would definitely recommend that. I do think, though, the sh- if you've watched the show, I think that the one thing I don't like about what... We actually she- didn't watch it. We watched like two episodes yeah, and stopped. Is I just feel like she's not hard enough on people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, Which not, I like, don't think was the point yeah, of the show. Like, was I, to be like, I what, think that you need to be a little bit harder you on joy? yourself because, you know, bring me joy. And we, so we've kind of added a second question. Like, does this bring you joy? And have you used it in the last six months? Unless like, it's seasonal and that, yeah, that, and so like that, that kind of, I think helps you get rid of a little bit more. And I think as Americans, we want to hold on to more. Yeah. Um, and that's just like a culture thing. And so I think being a little bit harder on yourself than necessarily the show or the book is yes, will help I, you. I kind would of, agree with that. Cause I would say if you're at a place where you have 18 pairs of shoes from a job that you used to work that you don't anymore, right. And maybe they bring you joy and you're thinking, I'm going to hold on to these because right. I might have that job someday. I, I would, if I could be so bold, I would say that you could get rid of all of those. And if you really go get that job someday, you can go buy, you can shoes. afford more shoes. Yep. If you're at a place where you have that many to begin with. Yeah. And so I think it's more of an emotional attachment. Yep. I think there's some other issues there. Um, but as far as living in a small house, um, I mean, that helps you just have oh less goodness, by default. You're it does. Just like, you you just, do. You just don't have a choice. Yep. There's this, trend going around, which I love, but I feel like it needs a clarification, needs a little asterisk, which is to like maximize your space. And I agree with that, but I feel like people read that as fill your space, like maximize what you have. And so instead of just like making the most of the closet space you have and the storage space you have, which I'm all for, like I could certainly blog more about that if that's something people were interested in. But that is not the same as just like filling every nook and cranny right, yeah. of your small house. I maximized my house and now I have 85 floating right. shelves in my bedroom. Exactly. <laughs> you're like, whoa. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's a difference between like the right storage bin in the yes. right place doing yeah. its job. Yeah. And then like I have filled every square inch of my home with belongings because yeah. I, you know, For I sure. can or I want to. And um, I think one thing that helps us sort of keep things simple is I after dinner, Brooke goes and does baths with the girls and I clean up downstairs. And so I've started to realize over, I've been doing this now for a year, every night doing the dishes, putting them in the dishwasher, cleaning up, wiping down. I've noticed that there are things that I move 10 times and I'm like, we haven't used this once. Yeah. Let's move it to somewhere where it's not part of our daily ritual of moving things. Yeah. 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 Or coupled with, I feel like maybe this is something I feel like my mom followed this rule more and definitely her mom followed this rule more. I feel like it's a little bit of a lost art is like everything has its place. Yeah. And, and that's that sentence is also coupled with and everything in its place. Like everything has to be perfect All all the time and in its place. And I'm not saying that, but 
I, we got kids. But I have not put place. the effort in up front, which is just smart housekeeping. Yep. It's a great thing to fit like our, so I make our bug spray. Like I make bug spray. It's in one of those glass bottles with my oils. And like for the last two years, that bottle has had no home and it just like floats around right. on our counters and it's here, it's in this bag. And only like two weeks ago, did I put it in a basket that hangs on our back door. And so like, it's, it wasn't that hard of a thing to right. do, but now I know where it goes. Yeah. And if and when I'm the one cleaning up, it's one less decision to make right. at night while cleaning because it has its place. Yep. And I think the caveman answer is to go through all your stuff once by category, read the art of tidy, watch the show, kind of see how she does it, be a little bit harder on yourself. And then just, you can live with less than you have. I mean, that, yeah. that really is true. It's so true. And, you know, I just don't think that we push ourselves to maybe do that. Like one time a friend was over and we were making cookies or something. And I either I said, oh, I need my spatula. Or she asked, where's your spatula? Like the flipper kind like yep. that you would use, like flip a pancake. And I was like, oh, it's in the dishwasher. And she made a comment and like, not a bad comment, but was just like, you only have one. Right. And I was like, yeah, like. Yeah, you only what, need one. Why would I need more than one? <laughs> how many, like, how many things you, you know? And she's once? like, "Well, what if it's dirty?" And I was like, "Then I wash it." <laughs> like, I don't like that whole idea of like, "Oh, I need right. I need several of this and yeah. several of that, so that I so that everything's immediately convenient yeah. all the time." That is very hard to do. Yeah. One, I just don't think it's necessary, and it's really hard to do in a small house. Yeah. Hey guys, first of all, just thought it was so funny that you used Sarah as an example because that's my name. Woohoo! Go Sarahs. Um, But my question is, what is your Starbucks order? TJ, I know you make coffee at home, which is awesome. I started doing that too. But when you go to Starbucks, what is your order? Pretty easy question to ask there. Also, I don't know why I only got credit for making coffee at home. Brooke (laughs) also makes coffee at home. I know. I think you share that. Like there's more stories of you. Yeah. Iced coffee with classic syrup and almond milk. That's my order. A venti iced coffee with classic sweetener and almond milk. Yep. Can I get you anything else? Yes. <laughs> you can get An iced grande vanilla latte with almond milk. Mine actually has changed over yeah. the years. Yours has probably stayed more yep. consistent. For years, mine used to be any form of a white mocha. Yep. Hot, cold, you know, with less pumps, with more pumps, with yep. different milks, you know, all those things. But in the last two years, kind of since Sunny's yep. been around, I switched from... The white mocha. The white mocha to the vanilla. Yep. Uh, Probably because I was dairy free. (laughs) And I learned that the white mocha sauce does have like a hint of dairy in it. Yep. And I was trying to cut all that out. So I'm now a vanilla girl. Yeah. Brooks will change. Super basic. Seasonally too. She'll do it hotter ice. Mine will stay. Mine will be an iced coffee. Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. It's 10 (laughs) degrees outside. So I'm iced coffee for life. All right. Well, that was our first ever question and answer show in this new format. We actually didn't realize it would be this long. Um, Thank you you for coming along. But you guys asked great questions. And so we wanted to make sure that we gave good answers. And there were a few of you, there have been a few of you that have asked for a longer episode. So hopefully you enjoy this. Let us know if you like this. Let us know if you, we should keep it shorter. Um, You know, we kind of aimed for that 30 minute mark, but we were well over that this time. We so, so appreciate you guys submitting questions. We will keep doing episodes like this as well as more of the conversational ones. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe, like it, review it, tell your friends about it. Yep. Brooks Brooks trying to tell me something. I was going to say, okay, I love you. Bye. (laughs) Okay. I love you. Bye. (laughs)